Welcome to Regeneration Studio. I'm Katerina, and this is another narrative journey exploring risk-taking, creativity, and innovation in business and art, where we ask one question. How can we overcome our fears, live outside the box, and transform ourselves and our community? As we start our schooling, the idea of passing or failing shapes our world. What matters most when we learn new knowledge and skills and improve on what we already know is the outcome. How well we have mastered it is more important than the process of learning and how we have grown through that process. A fail means exactly that. A pass may mean success to some, but to high achievers, it might still be a failure. Getting a good grade or a distinction definitely enters the realm of what society perceives as doing well, being promising or having a bright future. Now, together with society's perception of what we have achieved, or whether we have achieved anything at all, and our own self-doubt, we start fearing learning or doing new things. We start fearing anything with an undetermined outcome and public result. This could be getting married. This could be starting your own business. This could be trying to make a living off of your art. What if we do away with the very words success and failure? What if just starting becomes a success in itself and we focus on the process of building something from scratch instead? What if we put our doubts aside and embrace more than just the uncertainty of change, but the continual improvement and growth that we'll experience as a result? In studio with me today is Dr. Kelly Hendry, who worked as a chiropractor before retiring and becoming a business consultant and coach, helping businesses today identify what they can improve in their learning journey. Before we dive into this episode, a kind reminder that if you enjoy this podcast, have a listen to a couple of other episodes and consider hitting the subscribe button or simply share it with someone who might enjoy it too. I truly appreciate every single listener and would love to hear your feedback. What am I doing well? What am I not doing well? I want to know. You can come and say hello on Instagram at regeneration.studio or drop me a message by visiting regenerationstudio.co.uk. And you can also find me on Clubhouse at regenerationcat. Lastly, just so you know, we've got a YouTube channel. It's still a bit of a work in progress, but go and have a look at it and let us know what you think of it so far. And that's it. Let's get started. Welcome to the show, Doctor. Thank you, Katharina. Appreciate it. Very grateful for the opportunity. You're welcome. To give our listeners an idea of who you are, imagine there's a film soon to be released called Dr. Henry or The Customer Service Doctor. Can you briefly introduce yourself in the style of a film trailer? <laughs> he's, a, he's a chiropractor, a consultant, a coach, an author, a speaker, a man that knows no limits, who's relentless in his focus of success. Meet Dr. Kelly Henry. Scene one, chiropractor. So as we explained in the start, you were originally a chiropractor. Then you went from failing your first business to setting up a successful practice with multiple locations. So what early life experience got you interested in the medical field and in particularly in becoming a chiropractor? Well, as a lot of uh, 
American kids. I played baseball into high school and I, I had a baseball injury. I was a pitcher, threw balls, and I had a, an injury where I couldn't hardly throw a ball more than just a few times and my arm would just be on fire. And so did the medical route and never could figure out anything going on with my arm. So my, my mother, who had been to chiropractors throughout her life, decided to take me to the chiropractor. And lo and behold, they checked me out, figured out the issues with my neck and uh, took care of my problems. So that really piqued my interest. Uh, we also had a family friend that was a chiropractor. And obviously, he mm-hmm. spoke very highly of the profession. So I kind of meshed the two together and, and decided to uh, follow that path. Yes. Were there any other particular interests that you had at that stage? My really my my first interest and my my first love was to be a pilot. Okay. My dad worked for for the the airlines, so to speak, and uh, I always was fascinated with airplanes and flight and being a pilot. The problem is uh, my left eye. I had a cataract when I was a kid, and and the the vision never developed correctly, and so basically shut off that that avenue or that dream for me to be a pilot because my vision wasn't good enough. So, but I think it worked out for me. All right. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so you went down the, the route of becoming a chiropractor as you, you were inspired to by the experiences you had. However, I mean, for all of us, failure is part of life. We, we start things that we perhaps don't finish, or we just find that we're not reaching the goals we've set for ourselves and nothing about that process or that experience makes it easy to swallow. Yet, if we learn to fail gracefully, and that is to see the whole thing as a process of learning, to get up, carry on with our lives, we'll be able to benefit from it. Now, going to, focusing on your career as chiropractor, you have said that you had many ups and downs. What key factors subsequently allowed you to succeed? And what were the ups and downs, if you don't mind just exploring some of those? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, and like you mentioned, and I love what you're talking about is, you know, the process of failure. I personally look at failure not as failure. To me, there's no such thing as failure. There's only feedback. Yeah. And so if you can look at failure, so to speak, as only feedback and learn from it, look at it objectively, learn how to pivot or to redo or to understand where you may have gone wrong, it only helps you move forward more intelligently. So that's how I, I look at failure. I, I failed miserably at my first attempt at starting a chiropractic office. Any particular reason why? Basically, I didn't know enough to know what I didn't know. I was very naive, okay. didn't have much knowledge on starting a business, just thought I could go to this particular city, open up, and people would flood to me. And that just obviously wasn't the case. The good thing about it was I was in a situation where I learned for some, from some older chiropractors that really mentored me and helped me get a basis of business knowledge, not just the medical knowledge, but they really helped me lay the foundations of some business knowledge. And from that failure, obviously, like I just mentioned, it helped me move forward more intelligently but also being in that situation where, you know, my young family and I were scraping by, we barely had any money to do anything. It made me appreciate once I had achieved greater success, it made me appreciate that level of success much, much more because I had scraped by and I had seen kind of the other end of things. Mm-hmm. 
And then what does it entail when you're a chiropractor? What are the options? Because I don't know anything about the field. There, there's several options. You can start your own practice. You can go in with a another doctor and be what we call an associate doctor. You can get in with a corporate-run uh, chiropractic office and be somewhat of an associate or an employee for them. My dream is always just to start my own practice and, and run my own clinic. Yeah. So that's what I was dialed in to do. And, you know, again, like I said, I was very naive and, and didn't understand the whole the concepts. But again, it... You know, yes, I did fail miserably, but it was a stepping stone to further my career later on. So again, it wasn't failure. I just gained feedback from it and, and was able to pivot and, and move in a more intelligent manner to become very successful. Yes. And well, perhaps you can expand on the, the key factor that allowed you to become successful. And when you say success, what exactly do you mean? Well, you know, success is defined differently from everybody. The key component to my success, you know, like I mentioned, looking at failure a little bit differently. And I've had this for as long as I can remember. I've had this attitude of being relentless towards working uh, in the direction of my goals. And also having the attitude of it's not if I'm going to achieve them, it's when I'm going to achieve them. That if and when. Mm -hmm. If when you when you live in the if, you know, if I'm going to achieve something, you are basically guided by circumstances. You know, well, I hope this works out. Or I hope this works out and hope all the, the stars line up. And that and that's just tough to live that way because you're not really taking responsibility. If you live from an, a win attitude, W-H-E-N, win, it's a focus on what actions can I can I take? What can I what can I do? How can I keep moving forward? How can I take this situation and learn from it and move forward so I can achieve my goals? So, again, I always had that attitude. It's never if it's always when I'm going to achieve certain goals or move towards this new goal or whatever the case may be. It's just staying focused on that. Yes. Yeah, so we're back to the the learning process, in other words, or feedback, as you describe yeah, it. Absolutely. So when we think of entrepreneurs or business owners, we sometimes forget that this includes fields like healthcare, uh, the creative industries, media, and so on. I think a lot of the times, like, for example, on a podcast like this, when I say I talk to entrepreneurs, people just think, oh, it's just people who start like their own business and sell things. But there are loads of people who actually, they are entrepreneurs, they are running their own businesses. And um, even if you're just an artist needing to sell something online. So can you describe a major crossroad in your life as chiropractor and also as a business consultant. And in each case, what did you decide to do and what was the result? I had several in my chiropractic career. Um, really, the most recent was the decision to go ahead and sell my practices and to pivot into a different, you know, into a different role, being a consultant. I practiced for 20 years that was my life. I thoroughly loved it. It was my baby because I, you know, I grew my clinics and employed a lot of people and a lot of doctors. And again, I was relatively successful at it. Some say very successful yeah. at it. So to actually say, okay, I'm done here. <laughs> and some people thought I was crazy. What are you doing? Why are you, you know, why are you pivoting? And I, I was just, it, I was led to do something different. So that was a major crossroads. But if I wouldn't have done that, I wouldn't be here right now talking to you. 
with my yeah. consulting, when I when I originally moved away from my practice, I moved into coaching and consulting just chiropractors and mm-hmm. focusing on them and helping them with their practice management and helping them build their practices up like I had built mine up through the through specific processes and procedures. Yeah. And I did that for about a year and a half. But again, I was felt and I was led to pivot and move down and just niche into customer service. And mm-hmm. so that was another major crossroads where I needed to pivot, but that expanded who I could work with. So I wasn't just working with chiropractors anymore. I could work with basically any service-based industry yeah. and expanded my scope of and, and really my reach of who I could work with. So those were both fairly major crossroads that I've had to deal with yes. recently. Just a couple of points on that. So firstly, when you you specialize in customer service, and when you say that you can you work with any service-based business owner or person or whatever we want to call them, does this now link back to what I said that it can be in any industry whatsoever? So it's not just in your specialization field. Correct. And then what would you say of each of these pivotal moments is the result? So in each case that you described. Absolutely. One, it created new challenges, Mm -hmm. you know, that I knew it would, obviously. But again, for me personally, I'm relentless in what I'm trying to achieve. So, yes, I knew the challenges. I knew there would be challenges. It's just a question of realizing those challenges, learning, taking the feedback, understanding, growing, and just keep pushing through till I achieved my ultimate aim. So, you know, I feel for anybody who faces crossroads, you just have to look at it from a standpoint of, one, you have to be real realistic that more than likely it is going to create some turmoil, some difficulty in your life that you'll have to deal with, but that's okay. Yeah. You just have to move forward, learn from it, keep processing the information. Don't look at it as, as failure, as we've mentioned several times already, and just stay on track for ultimately what your, your goals and aims are. Okay. Well, that's wonderful to hear. And then you subsequently became the business doctor in a sense. scene two the business doctor so you decided to retire and turn to business consulting and coaching as a way to continue making a positive impact on your community but in a different way now before we kind of explore this new field that you were in like consulting what What's the challenge of running multiple locations and why did you just decide to do that as a chiropractor? Well, I'm very goal oriented, as I've mentioned several times. So I had my goal set of what did I wanted to achieve, what I wanted for my practices and offices. And I knew that my two hands couldn't do that. I couldn't do that alone. So in order for, for me to achieve the level of success that I wanted, I needed to employ more, hire more doctors, and then ultimately have more clinics. And so that's yeah. that was my, just really my thought process. Yeah. You know, here's my goal. How am I going to get there? And that's what helped okay. guide me hiring and then moving forward with expansion of my clinics. Okay. And I suppose if I can link this to a different industry, so one that I know really well, hospitality, it would be the same as in having one restaurant as opposed to having a chain of restaurants. Exactly. 
Yes. Okay. So and then there are more complications that come with that. But I think <laughs> for any person starting something in any field, it's really important for them to understand the basic business principles. And this could be costs, pricing, customer service, product design, and so on. Why is it so important? And you can link this back to your own experience in either uh, business consulting or chiropractic. <laughs> yes, I definitely learned this. And it was a, it was a tough lesson that I, I basically knew very little, if, if nothing, about uh, starting a business, running a business. Mm-hmm. I, like to, I like to use sports analogies. So if you're learning a new sport, you know, tennis, golf, soccer in, in Europe, you know, baseball, whatever the case may be, you know, the first thing you're going to do is, for the most part, learn the rules, the principles, the ideas, so you understand, you know, the, the game as a whole. And then as you start acting and, and playing the game, it, it becomes easier for you. You can learn more efficiently and you can really, you can tell if you're winning or losing, but it also helps you move towards obviously winning a whole lot easier when you understand the concept as a whole. So same thing with business. You have to understand the principles, the rules, the the ideas that go along with business, how to you know get customers, marketing, how to keep customers, cash flow, just all the, all the little intricacies. You don't have to know them all, you know, and have an MBA in business to to do this. But it's just good to have that little bit of foundation because it'll help you win much quicker. It'll help you make better decisions doing this or not doing this. So, again, just having that, even if a, a fraction of knowledge can go a long ways in expediting your you know, how quickly you achieve your goals, but also saving you frustration, the time spent and really money spent and money out of your pocket or losing money because you don't understand certain concepts. Mm -hmm. Yes, of course. And you've touched on your original vision for your coaching and business consultation career. But why exactly did you decide to become a consultant? Was there a particular experience you had or did you just feel like sharing what you've learned with other people? Yes and yes. Okay. <laughs> I, I have been coached and, and have had consultants for since 2003. Mm-hmm. I saw firsthand the impact they had on my business and me personally. And so it wasn't, you know, wasn't very difficult for me to see that, hey, that's what I want to do for my clients and to be able to spread the word and have the same impact that my coaches and the consultants I worked had on me. I wanted to have that same impact on the on those I worked with. Yes. And of course, you then went on to kind of specialize in customer service, as you pointed out. Now, you've also recently written a book, uh, Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service, which I've started reading. Thank you. There's so much truths in there and these are small things because we think customer service is just dealing with the clients and just being friendly and smiling and so on but there's a lot more to it right at the start of the book and I love this part you delve into the main reasons why small businesses fail of course we've got the most common reason which is just simply there's no market need for the product and then you list the other three common reasons which is not having the right team being out competed and running out of money from your own experience so you've now you've consulted numerous different businesses 
in your own words, why do businesses fail? Well, like you just mentioned, that's <laughs> those four really play a big part. What we find, though, is for for many businesses, small businesses, when they first start out, they have this intuitive sense of providing great customer service because they mm-hmm. you know they want to get the word out, and they want to have a good reputation, and start with a good reputation. What we find though is once that business gets established, one or two years in, obviously there's more problems that arise. They, you know, they have more customers and they have employees and there's always issues you have to deal with from a business standpoint. And that thought, that action, that idea of of great customer service kind of gets pushed away. So that friendliness, that, you know, that service orientation that they once had when they first started out, that gets moved to the backseat or even cast away completely. And it's no longer focused on. And that business generally gets focused just on sales. And they'll monitor that and they'll see where their their sales are declining and they'll try new marketing and they'll try new sales technique or they'll blame their employees or whatever the case may be and not realize that there's there's an issue with their customer service, that they're not they're not appreciating their customer and they're not serving their customer like they should, which won't create loyalty, won't create retention. And that's where they lose of a lot of business, but then they start losing in business, so to speak. That's where they lose that competitive edge. That's where they aren't making as much money. That's where their team, their employees aren't as engaged and, and helping them out like the owner or the business leaders want them to. So I see that a lot when I'm working with businesses or they, oh, they'll explain that to me. I, you know, we were doing so good and then it just plateaued and we trying to get new patients or new customers in and we're doing all this and this and this and just nothing's working. What, you know, maybe this is the key and, and more times than not, yes, it is the key The improving their customer service, getting it back on a square footing and helping them narrow back down on that can create just phenomenal results for them. Okay. So there are several things going through my head at the moment, but maybe just tying this back again to a, a different kind of industry or very specific industry, say you're a freelancer. Okay, you're right for different people, different places and on demand. So in customer service, in this case, would just be like being on the ball, replying to emails, replying to requests. Are there any other non-obvious aspects of customer service that you get to deal a lot with and have to actually explain to to businesses? Well, one of them is, and again, this is... (laughs) This is a very common, I, I, I call this a myth even, that the vast majority of businesses, whether it's a freelancer, whether it's a chiropractor, whether you're selling insurance or a restaurant or whatever the case may be, they feel like they already provide great customer service. Yeah. That's not an issue. They agree with me. What I'm doing is phenomenal, but we're okay there. We don't need to do anything about it. And I, you know, I call that a myth or even to the point of delusion where they feel like, yeah, we're good. So they don't even look at the issues that they may be having or the holes they may have or the problems they have because they don't feel like there, there is an issue and not realizing that costs them a lot of customers. And when you lose in customers and it's costing you customers, you know, you're losing a lot of profit. And so just helping businesses realize that. Yeah, you do have some pieces of great customer service in play, but as a whole, you really don't provide 
that great service, that that great experience that your customer really wants and needs. And until you do that, you're going to continue to suffer and your business won't be as effective because customer service enhances everything that a business does from sales to marketing to, you know, internally. So if your customer service and that culture is not deeply ingrained and it's a foundation, then the business will suffer accordingly. I've got two questions that are kind of linked to this. So the first one is simply, even if one place has a better product than another place, but their customer service is not that great, which business will do better? <laughs> That's a great question. I truly feel that the the business with the inferior product, but with the great customer service will do better. Now, obviously, there'll be a knock with the product, but people want to be valued. Customers, consumers want to be valued. They want to be made feel important and special. And when a business does that, consumers will gravitate to that feeling and not worry so much about the product. Now, if the product is absolutely terrible, the greatest customer service in the world is not going to save you, obviously. But, you know, if a product is slightly inferior, but great customer service, that business will do good. And I, you know, I've explained this to chiropractors all the time. I don't care how good of chiropractor you are. If you have all the knowledge and you are the the best at your, your job, if you have terrible customer service, you will not have that great a business. But the mediocre yes. chiropractor that has the great customer service, they will do phenomenally well. I agree because I've just experienced it from a user and to get something done for, say you want something designed, like a logo or something, obviously the person who's going to reply quicker is going to give you examples quicker. That's the person you're gonna prefer working with than say somebody who's who takes just a month to send you a quote. So <laughs> um, so you're, you're running a business and you suspect there's something going wrong somewhere and you suspect it's customer service, how do you recognize it? How do you get the feedback from the customers themselves? Or what what should you do? What are the steps? Survey. Survey the customers. And I recommend businesses do that regularly, at least once a quarter. Mm -hmm. And all they have to do is a a two-question survey. And the the first question is, two-question survey. Very simple, very easy. You ask the customer, you know, what is your experience here with this business? on a one to 10, 10 being the greatest, mm-hmm. 10 being, you know, just phenomenal. And if, if the consumer answers at an eight or below, then the second question is, can we contact you and, and get a better understanding of where we aren't doing quite well and how we could make this a 10 for you? And that's where you'll find out where your holes are. Another great thing to do is to contact previous customers, clients, patients, ones that have left your business and just do it, not trying to sell them, not trying to even bring them back, but just to have a conversation. What happened? Where did we fail you? Where did we go wrong? And that you left us and just be real open and honest about it. That right there can also be gold to a business to understand those holes, those issues, those problems that the in the, in the service and the experience for your customer. So you can sure those up, fill those holes and keep more customers, clients, patients in the business. And that's really the key to a business. And that's a, that's a good point I want to make here too. The purpose of a business is to get customers 
keep customers and to make a profit. Yes. So very simplistically, mm-hmm. a lot of businesses focus very hard on getting customers and making a profit, but do very little to keep the customers. But ultimately, and this is what I teach, this is my whole goal of my my procedures, my programs, and what I'm working with clients is to help them sure up their customer service so they keep more customers because that's where exponential growth and profit come from. All right. Obviously, it's it's sometimes so straightforward and you just don't think about it, do you? <laughs> Before we go into looking a little bit more on the spiral of achievement, so how to handle failure when it does happen or, well, let's not talk about failure, just that process in the in the business world. Could you perhaps expand on say somebody contacts you, what is the process for a client? How do you work with them? So what's the first step? What's the second step? And so on. First step is I I, like, I do what I call an audit with them. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, a lot of businesses think, well, you know, I, I, I have pretty good customer service, but then we just audit. We just go down through and ask questions and, and get a whole better understanding of exactly what is going on as far as their focus on customer service. Like I mentioned, a lot of businesses have a piece here and there of great customer service that they employ, but as a whole, they just, they don't, don't grasp all the concepts or really many of them at all. And so it's just audit and understand where, where the major issues are from that. Then we have a better understanding, obviously, and then we can start filling the holes. There's a gazillion things you could do for a business and trying to assure up a customer service. My programs really focus on the handful, really the four things that a customer really is attracted to from a business standpoint. So they're attracted to what these businesses would do and consider them great at their customer service. So that's what we want to really make sure that a business is doing those handful of things, really sure those up, make those extraordinarily or get those working extraordinarily well. And that then creates this incredible impact on the customers. So it's not doing, a, like I said, a gazillion things, a hundred different things. It's really just narrowing down. It's the 80-20 rule. Let's focus on the 20% of things that customers really are attracted to that really will create a great impact and help them believe that your business has great customer service. And then we, we reap 80% of the results. So that, that's the focus of my programs. And that's what we go through. And then we'll look at... You know, once we do that, then we can look at the individual businesses. It doesn't matter if there's 10 chiropractors, they each do things differently and there's different nuances. So we'll look at the individual businesses and we'll pick out things that we can enhance and and really make unique to them that, again, will just give them that great perception of superior customer service. Yes. You mentioned four key things. Was this specific things or... Does it depend on the business? So it's not. No, it's it's the same thing for every business. So okay. um, the first thing is creating a team atmosphere for a business. You have to have your employees have to be valued and felt to be a part of the team and feel special in order for them to turn around and treat the customer as and value them and make them feel special. So if the internal team doesn't feel valued and special, they can't turn turn around and make the external team, me and the customers feel special. Mm -hmm. And then we put the actions and and processes into place. The third thing is being more efficient. We live in a microwave society. People want things now. We want it done quickly. So we want to speed the efficiency up of the business wherever we can. 
and make doing business with a business more convenient. Can you give an example? Well, you know, like you you mentioned, you know, somebody returning a, a quote, you know, in a efficient manner, quick manner, um, returning emails, returning texts, returning phone calls in my offices, you know, decreasing wait time for the patients coming in okay. to virtually nil. So they were in and out of the office in, you know, 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm. at the very most. So there's a lot of aspects you can look at there. Websites, being more convenient on a website. It's mm-hmm. another aspect that need, needs to be looked at. You know, how convenient it is for a consumer to look at a website and get the information they need. When they call in to make an order or, or do something, how many times do they have to give their information or how many transfers do they have to make? Can we narrow that down and just make it a one call? Those type of things. Yes. Uh, those little things. When you can make it more convenient and more expeditious for a customer, they love that. And they'll even, consumers will look at being more efficient, a business being more efficient. They'll, they'll grab onto that even more than the, the feeling of making them feel valued. They'll, they'll mm-hmm. let that slide a little bit. If the customer service and the friendliness isn't quite up to speed, if you're super fast, uh, yeah. the consumer will key into that. Okay. And then the last process is being very good at fixing problems, whether it's business initiated or consumer initiated, it's being very efficient and doing it in a very specific manner. When you take care of an issue for a, for a consumer and you do it in a way that is uh, pleasing to them, that consumer will actually have a higher level of loyalty for that business when you're doing that correctly. So that's a very important key concept that we need to get, uh, we get short up for a business. Yes. No, I mean, there are so many examples of like the very, the big technological companies who have these practices in place and have really, really good customer service where problems normally get fixed within a couple of minutes of logging it. Scene three, the spiral of achievement. Now, say you've got this business and they're actually doing all four things pretty well you do point out that even so they can still improve they can still do better now what about a business that's got limited resources so they don't necessarily have loads of time or a big workforce or money to spend how can they still do better in customer service in particular it's basically an attitude you, know, you, don't, you don't have to spend a lot of money to, to be better, um, but just having the attitude of, and I call it continuing and never ending improvement. How can we improve our processes? How can we improve this business? And it's not, it's not doing one thing 100% better. It's doing 100 things just 1% better. And so just focusing on the little mm-hmm. things. How can we improve? Now, what I find, and this this happened to me through my own experience in my chiropractic offices, is little things will get forgotten. You know, you mm-hmm. get into life, you get into business, you get into problems, you get into, you know, dealing with whatever. And your focus gets, you know, you, you have a wide focus on a lot of different things and you'll drop and you'll stop doing certain little items that help you get to a certain point. So it's always good just to step back and start looking at, okay, are we still doing this? Are we still doing this? Are we still doing this? Are we doing this properly? I call it going back to the basics. 
Yes. Are we are we still doing the basics of what we should be doing? And that costs no money. That just costs a little time and effort and thought um, to look at where where we may have uh, dropped the ball and get things shored up again. Also, just to look at the I call it the ninety five five rules. So ninety five percent of the time we're we're doing good, but where where are those five percent? What's that 5% of things that we could do just a little bit better? Where could we be just a little bit better here or, or there? Or where could we be just a little bit better in this process? Whatever the case may be. It's just looking yeah. for those little tweaks that can make a big difference. But when you do that continually, collectively, that's what helps you continue to move and improve. So, again, it's just having that attitude that we can always be better. Yes. I call it, you're either green and growing or ripe and rotting. So you never want to be ripe and rotting. You never want to think you've made it and we don't need to improve on anything. You always have to, you always have to look at, okay, how can we get a little bit better, a little bit better, a little bit better? Yes, that's a very important point to make that, I mean, there's always room for improvement somewhere. And as you, obviously you grow your business, there are going to be places where you're going to start slipping a bit. So it's always good, like you said, to go back to the basics and just make sure you, you're actually covering all the bases. Now, in fact, since to improve means to change, because that's it, you, you're changing processes, you're making them better, to perfect means to change regularly. And this is something I came across when I did the research for this episode and looked into what it actually means to improve and why we shouldn't just be standing still. So yet we also need to distinguish between actual improvement, so making a change with an impact or simply being busy doing the same thing. What is the difference, according to you, between movement and achievement? That is a great question. And I love you that you brought that up. Most people are addicted to action, <laughs> to movement. Yeah. You know, like I mentioned, we're in a microwave society. We want things now and we're busy doing a thousand different things. The problem is those a thousand different things have very little impact on our achievement or helping us get to our goals. Mm -hmm. So the key is, and the difference is looking at and understanding the, like I do in my programs, understanding those key pieces of our lives that are going to create the greatest impact and do those the majority of the time. Mm -hmm. Not doing the a thousand things, answering the emails, the getting on the phone calls, the whatever the case may be, the laundry, the, you know, paying the bills. Those are all important. You have to do them. But just because you do all that, we, we get a sense of, hey, you know, I've done a thousand things today. I, you know, I've really achieved something. No, <laughs> you've just done a thousand things that really don't play a part in your achievement and your goals at all. Mm -hmm. So. It's understanding, it's recognizing those key pieces that that 20% of things that you can do that can really move you forward towards your goals and, and create uh, that greater sense of achievement in your life. Those are the things that you need to focus on first and do first. And really, that's the difference. Quit focusing on, you know, doing a thousand different things. Let's focus on the few things that are create the greatest impact. You know, it's like being on a stationary bike. You can ride as fast as you want on a stationary bike, you know, and work up a sweat, but you've gone nowhere. Same yeah. thing with being busy. You've virtually gone nowhere. You need to work on the things that are going to take you places. And I think it's such a difficult thing to sometimes distinguish between, 
And it also comes back to the saying that it's better to be effective rather than, this is a, a strange one, to be effective than efficient. So you can be doing loads of things efficiently and just getting things done on time. But if they're not effective, if they're not having an impact, then it's all a waste of time. So Exactly. I've heard that same quote in a different way. You can, you know, it does no good to be extremely efficient at the things that don't matter, you know. Yes, exactly. That's it. <laughs> it does no good. Yeah. <laughs> Say you've got this business, they, they're doing the four factors that you mentioned really well. They're also looking for the the 20% that they could improve, that they can do differently. But even in those cases, we cannot sometimes prevent failure simply because the world changes. Governance change, there might be a disaster, another factor outside of our hands can plunge us into tough times. If we find ourselves going down the spiral of achievement, in this case, what is the first thing we should do? Well, first of all, is realize what's happening. You know, you, mm-hmm. you, have to, you have to understand that. You can't deny it and not focus on it. But the issue is with focus is you need to realize that you're having an issue. Yeah, we're spiraling downwards. And then start understanding what you are focusing on. Mm-hmm. Because generally what will continue a spiral is when you're focusing on the problem. That's probably out of your control. Like you just mentioned, it can be government, it can be weather, it can be, you know, business changes, whatever the case may be. When you focus in on the problem, then you're just attracting more of that problem is what it amounts to. The key is to focus, start focusing on solutions. Yeah, the problem initiated out of your control, but you can focus back on the solution um, or solutions that can help you spiral back upwards. And that's the key. And I did that many, many a time in my practices where things started spiraling downwards and I was looking at the, the problems. Why aren't patients coming in? Why are we you know, not collecting as much? Whatever the case may be. And then when I shifted my focus, OK, listen, let's focus on serving. Let's focus on the solution that we need that would be appropriate and stay focused on that. And then things would spiral back upward. So it's all about focus. I mentioned mm-hmm. earlier about the, you know, the if and the the when. So yeah. principle, you know, it's not if I'm going to be successful, it's when. So the when goes back to focusing on solutions. The if is, well, if this changes, if that changes, and it's all circumstantial, it's out of your control. If, yeah. if you if you stay in that thought process with that focus, you're just going to continue to spiral downwards. So you have to be real careful with that. Yeah. Change that focus onto to solutions. Something else. Yes, that's very true. Thank you for elaborating on that. And I always say, I love saying to anybody who simply come to me with a problem that they'll just tell me the problem, at least make a, make a suggestion, and then we can take it from there. But if you just keep on co- coming to me with a problem, then that's going to be the focus and it's just going to be a problem instead of exploring solutions. Absolutely. So I totally agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> Improvements in technology, the increase in use of social media and a general focus on online services mean that many of the initial customer service these days are now automated. And we've got chatbots that reply to us on Facebook or wherever we engage with the chat, or we've got an automated email that we can't reply to. So is automation (laughs) still good? (laughs) 
I, it's one of my pet peeves, like when I get an email and I reply to it, but I can't. But anyway, is automation still good customer service? <laughs> For the most part, it is because of the speed um, yeah. that automation generally will help a business uh, do business and help yeah. a consumer. Now, there are those those issues, you know, like can't reply to an automated email or I, I for one, like to, you know, I'll, I'll use automation, but I actually like to talk to people because I feel like. Mm-hmm. If I'm talking to a service rep or, you know, a technical rep that I can, I know that the situation is going to be handled correctly or so, but I'm kind of old school. I'm, I'm much older than you. So that's just my upbringing, but automation, if it's done correctly and it's done with the, the focus of serving, not to the convenience of the business, this is where the issue is. It's not, not for the convenience of the business but for the convenience of the consumer and keeping them happy and making them feel valued, then automation is okay. That, that can be anything, any process procedure you put in a business. It always has to be to the convenience or for the benefit or to the service of the customer, mm-hmm. not for the, the convenience or for the benefit of the, the business itself. So that, that's the line you have to draw and, and look at in your business as far as automation. Okay. I have to say, like, one thing that definitely struck me when we got in touch and spoke about organizing the interview was your your customer service, which is, like, always very quick, very quick, very friendly and to the point. And the other thing that I thought about when I went onto your website is that it says that anybody can, like, book a call and, a, like, a consultation. You can correct me with the details. But once again, it's that personal contact that's sometimes appreciated more, I think, than simply relying on automation because some business might think it, it's easier. And, and I appreciate your comments. And, and to be honest with you, I was impressed with your, you know, how quickly you responded to me and your friendliness as well. So kudos to you. You're you're on top of your customer service Thank team you. too. So. And, and I appreciate the point of, you know, my website and, and booking a call with me because, again, I... I, I do best when I'm one-on-one and that's all my programs are one-on-one coaching base. It just depends on the level of the level you want to take uh, your business through. But I feel like I can't give my best unless I'm doing it one-on-one understanding the, the business, understand the owner and then helping them through, you know, those issues and, and presenting my material and my program so they can use it more effectively you know, I have nothing against online programs and, yeah. and things of that nature. But to me, that doesn't talk to, you know, this industry and this industry and this industry and this person and that person. It's 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 too generic. So yeah. my goal is to I want to be one on one so I can give my best to each and every client I have. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear. And it definitely comes through on, like I said, on the website and also through um, the exchanges we've had. Ourselves. So from looking back at your experience, looking perhaps back at some of the clients you have served and now to the future, what is the future of customer service in general? And what is the most essential change every business owner needs to make now, regardless of their industry? The customer service has been around for a long time (laughs) and it is going to continue to be around for a long time. And I often say that, you know, customer service isn't necessarily a sexy principle, a sexy idea, meaning it's not the new shiny object object as far as 
the new marketing idea, mm-hmm. the new sales technique, or you know whatever the case may be. But it's a principle that will be around forever because all of us want to feel valued as consumers. When we are providing, you know, we're paying our hard-earned cash to a business. We want to make be made to feel special and important to that business. Yeah. And that's the core concept of customer service to serve and to make your customer feel valued. And there's benefits both ways for that. It's incredibly beneficial for a business, but it's also incredibly beneficial for the consumer. So I always want to make that point and have businesses understand it. The other thing is businesses have to realize Again, again, it doesn't matter what industry, what they're doing, what their product is, what their service is. You have to realize you are in the customer perception business. So you are creating a perception every time a consumer is doing business with you, Mm -hmm. whether good or bad. You created a positive impression that they can take away and would want to continue to do business with you or you're creating a negative impression which obviously they take away and it may keep them from doing business with you or keep them from referring to you, but you're always creating some kind of impression. So if you step back and look at that, what, what impression are we making on a consumer? How is this affecting our customers? Are we making them feel valued? Are we not making them feel valued? There's always a perception being made. That's the thing that I always want uh, business owners and leaders to understand and to to recognize um, and to look at regularly. What is the perception being given for my business? Yes, that's wonderful. I'm going to take that away as well. I really, really like that idea of the impression because once again, it's actually so obvious, but we don't think about it. (laughs) And just taking a step back and thinking, what do customers experience could make such a big difference? It does. It really does. (laughs) Thank you for joining me today, uh, Kelly. Where can people find out more about you, your book and your great website and what you have to offer? Well, my website is drkellyhenry.com. So drkellyhenry.com. And you can see my programs. You can set up a call. There's links to a link to uh, buy my book, Define and Deliver Exceptional Customer Service which you can find pretty much on any platform. Just a note on the book. The book is a simple read. It's not full of fluff, you know, down to earth, very, uh, very pointed in the actions and principles and ideas that a business owner, regardless of what industry can take and move forward with to make their business more successful by having better customer service and hopefully exceptional customer service. And that's how I coach to, I just, I don't like a lot of fluff. Let's just get down to Mm -hmm. uh, the points that are going to create the biggest impact. Let's narrow things down and let's move forward. Not for my benefit, but for your benefit, for your customer's benefit. And you can also find me on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram under Dr. Kelly Henry as well. Okay, fantastic. And yeah, so it's just making that point again. It's not about just being busy and thinking about efficiency, getting everything done, but also about being very effective and achievement. Absolutely. That's the key. Before we go, I do have a couple of quick fire questions just so that listeners can actually get to know you better. Okay. First, what is the most recent film or series you watched, podcast you listened to, or book you read? 
I don't watch a I don't watch a lot of TV. So uh, the last book, actually, I'm currently reading it right now, but it's a phenomenal book. Okay. It's called "Burn Your Goals" by Josh Metcalf. Phenomenal book. Just a whole different twist on goal achievement. Um, I would highly recommend it. It's an excellent book. I recently wrote a blog post called "Bin Your New Year's Resolution." So that sounds like something I might enjoy. <laughs> that, yeah, that's right along the lines. I need to read that because I'm sure it's same yeah. thought pattern. <laughs> Quite short, so I think it's probably. What important truths do very few people agree with you on? That we're responsible, one hundred percent responsible for our lives. You know, circumstances change, the government changes, the the weather changes. This happens, that happens, and that's true for any of us. But we're responsible for how we react to all those situations. One of my favorite quotes is, you know. Life is 10% what happens to us and 90% how we react to what happens to us. We just have to keep in, uh, keep that in mind that we can't control everything, but what we can control are our thoughts and our actions for different circumstances. Be solution-oriented and move forward that way. Yes. Once again, one of my own beliefs. What is the biggest challenge you have overcome in your life? Really, it was the the failure of my first business mm-hmm. back okay. when I got out of chiropractic school and, and moved my young family to a new state, a new town, didn't know anybody, and just absolutely failed miserably. It was a tough time, not making money, having a young family, scraping by, had to rely on family at times to, to help us pay some yeah. bills, those type of things. It was a humbling experience, but it was a tremendous learning experience. And like I mentioned early on in the podcast, that it helped me really understand and be much more appreciative of what I did later on and and the success that I achieved later on. Okay. And then what is your favorite travel destination and why? Well, it is West Palm Beach, Florida. Uh, It's on the East Coast of Florida, a couple hours north of Miami, beautiful beaches, blue, warm water, just great place. It's, it's my, it's my relaxing place. So we've been there. I don't know how many times. Um, in fact, my family, we've been there so many times. My family's like, we don't want to go there again. We want to try somewhere new, but <laughs> for me personally, that's, that's my absolute favorite place to go. And then so. lastly, what advice would you give to someone wishing to start a career as a, as a chiropractor or as a business consultant? Get a coach. And I'm not just pointing to me, just find a coach, find a mentor, somebody that can help you move forward more efficiently. Because what will happen is when you're trying to start a new business, again, there's frustration, there's problems, you'll make mistakes. But a coach will help you work through those. They'll help you make less mistakes, which will save you time, save you tremendous frustration, and will save you generally a lot of money, too. So get a coach, a mentor, somebody that can help you work through problems, somebody that you have confidence in that will help guide you being more successful a lot quicker. Fantastic. Thank you so much for joining me once again, Kelly. Thank you, Catherine. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening to the show. Remember, if you enjoyed this narrative journey, consider subscribing. You can also leave us a rating and review on Apple. 
It only takes a couple of seconds and I really appreciate it as it helps more people find this podcast and helps us share these amazing stories of difficult roads and beautiful destinations. Stories that could make a small difference in someone else's life. And don't forget to let me know what you thought of this episode. What did you enjoy? What could have been better? Or any other suggestions that you have. I hope you join me next time for more narrative journeys into creative business ideas.